I'm Frederick Gerton, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate. And this is Pushback Talks, and this is episode number 25. 25, and it's also Pushback Talks year-end 2020 podcast. Leilani! We made it. (laughs) We made it. I mean, We made it through 2020. Are we podcasters now? Or are we still just learning? I mean, when do you become, you know, you are an advocate, I'm a filmmaker. Remember when I, 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 I couldn't call myself a filmmaker after my first two films or so. It took right. like maybe three or four before I could really, I, I'm a filmmaker. Right. It's like it, it, it felt like a really big world. When, word, when you, what is your identity? When it, it, identity takes take time. It does take it? some time for sure. I don't know if I had the same thing with an advocate. Uh, I think it's only this year I started calling myself an advocate. <laughs> no, it's not true. As for whether we are podcasters, maybe we're still growing. We're still growing. <laughs> so to, to people out there who knows things about podcasting, tell us how we can get better because we are, we are learning and uh, we don't, I mean, for example, we're trying to find out how we can get money to do this because it's quite expensive to do a podcast and and we have no budget we have 24 patreons that's it's moving up. friends moving up it's it's like now past 150 dollars a month that they are supporting us with it doesn't really cover the cost but it's a good start so you can always go to patreon.com and look for pushback talks and then you can become a patreon so that, is that a part of the learning that you have to be really commercial? Hey, friends out there, do you want us? What do you say, Leilana? Should we put us the pushback talks up to one of these platforms with ads on? Do you want? We would like to have that. I wouldn't. I don't like listening to podcasts that have ads. And I was listening to one the other day where the broadcaster was doing the advertisements. You know, so he's talking, talking, mm. talking, and then suddenly he breaks into this advertisement and he's talking about i don't know some healthcare service it was couldn't odd you do that? i didn't like couldn't it couldn't you couldn't you do that no only if we get to sing if we can sing <laughs> sing our advertisements <laughs> actually i was once in a in a bar in in uh, louisiana where they had every saturday they had a show and it was like a real um, a cajun band oh yeah and and they had commercial breaks and then they were talking this pigeon french Oh my gosh. Uh, doing the commercial, the same band was doing. It was like oh, it, that's it was kind of it was kind of cool. The local local uh, ads. So, but they didn't sing it, but they were reading it in a nice way. After after also, singing though, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, but so okay. So that's maybe the challenge for twenty twenty one to find a way to to get at least pay for the cost, not the, not your time and my time, but for the technical stuff and so on. But Leilani, uh, 2020 has been a special year. You are less special because you left <laughs> the UN Special Rapporteur. But so what are you dreaming about? What are your dreams for the new year, my dear? Oh, wow. 
I didn't see that question coming. Dreams for the new year. Uh, besides money for the podcast. Hmm. Uh, to be honest, I really would like things to just quiet down a little bit. Things have been very active with the shift. And I feel like after such a big, actually not just 2020, I've had big few years. And I need some time to just do a little more reflection. I'd like to do more reflection and a little more writing. It's one of my favorite things to do, and I never have time to do it. So, so you mean you're leaving the podcast? <laughs> no, the <laughs> podcast is part of a, an ability to reflect, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, I, I got a little bit nervous. No, you know, here. no, no. I'm not going okay. anywhere. That's the sad truth. I'm not going anywhere. But just if things could quiet down just a little bit, you know, a little bit more time for some reflection. Walks in the woods. It's cold time of year coming up. In Canada. And I, this is to our listeners. Leilani is working a lot and she's working too much. And you have a very small team, very good team, but it's a very small team. And, and the task you're taking upon yourself, but also other people give to you, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I do have an, I want to, I want to give a big shout out to my incredible team. I'm going to do that. Incredible team, all of them working crazy hours. Everyone's working too hard, but they're so committed. It's amazing. And we're on this amazing ride. My dream? No, you didn't ask me. Mm, okay. No, let me think. Do I want to know your dream? Yeah. Okay. Tell me your dream. <laughs> um, my dream yeah. for 2021 is to, yeah, maybe I would like to rest, but I actually want to get back to work. Mm. You know, I call myself a filmmaker, <laughs> but a filmmaker not making film. When when do you stop being a filmmaker? That's like my stress, you know. <laughs> it's it's. Uh, I really want to get out again with a film crew and to to find stories and tell stories and meet people. You know, that's my that's my inspiration yeah. to to be out and try to understand new stuff. And I, I mean, I the way we are talking to each other is also, of course, a a journey in some way but it, it it is really good to go out and and meet people and watch countries and, and cities yeah. and to understand what's cooking i want on you the to planet. do that too that's actually how i really know you is yeah. through that you know i've walked many cities with you and seen cities through your eyes and your observations yeah. so i want you to get back to that too and you and you can survive that i will do that without filming you yeah <laughs> two years was enough okay that's good it's true it's true it was a lot so i mean we really stole your time so anyway so and we shouldn't talk about but this was like the dreamy part of mm. this podcast i mean the year and the year before when we released push it's been intense we've been out there and we have so many i mean i've met so many wonderful people you should know that it's it's sometimes a very cynical world, world, uh, world. Uh, but there are so many great people out there. And, and the luxury of traveling with a film is that you meet a lot of cool people. And you, I mean, for me, that's, it's really hopeful uh, that, I mean, I meet amazing people in Belgrade or I meet them in Kuala Lumpur or in San Francisco or in El Salvador or in Santiago de Chile or, you know, in so many places and, and, they give energy back to me and also hope because I think 
can we change the world or can we not change the world? Uh, yes, I think we can change the world because there are so many great people out there. So there's hope. Absolutely. It's been, I mean, when I think about, I was just thinking, sorry, I got lost as you were talking. I was thinking about all of the screenings of Push uh, that I attended with you. And uh, one of the things that you wouldn't know, Frederick, is that um, for me, it was amazing to go to so many different theaters. See, you do that. That's who you are. You've been doing that for years and years and years. And so, you know, you knew most of the theaters that we were going to. You'd been there before. But for me, it was all new. You know, the Castro in San Francisco, the amazing uh, theater in Amsterdam. I mean, so there's there's the change that we're making and the amazing audiences and their reactions and various reactions to the film. Like some people, some audiences would laugh, some audiences wouldn't laugh, some would be very technical and detailed after the film, some would be left with like huge, big inspiration. Um, But for me, I also had this constant experience of a new physical space, a new theater, some beautiful, some very pedestrian but still, in it, that that an, uh, alone was an amazing experience for me. Yeah, and the world premiere we had at the amazing Bremen Theater in Copenhagen, a very beautiful venue, and Saskia Sassen was there, and and it was like I don't know six hundred people or so. Yeah. It was like beautiful, yeah. and that was like the kickoff for a lot. And and you, I mean, we now in retrospect we call it the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. Because you were still you and rapporteur, you you sent something a letter to whom? Who did you send a letter to? Yeah, I sent seven mm-hmm. letters. I'd sent them a, a, a few days before the opening of Push, and it was all timed quite perfectly. You'll recall, Frederick, we were trying to scramble around and make sure it all worked perfectly. So I sent seven letters to one to Blackstone, and then to six different governments who I felt were violating the right to housing by inviting in Blackstone and other private equity firms to dominate their housing landscape. So the seven countries included Denmark, Sweden, Ireland, Spain, the U.S. and the Czech Republic. You had told me there, I actually didn't know this, you and your team told me that there was this burgeoning activism in Copenhagen against Blackstone buying up a huge number of units. I can't even remember how many, but it was a lot. Yeah. Um, and also we should we should also understand, you know, that normally our kind of advocacy or making a film, it's kind of hard to break through. Uh, and so you need you need good stories to tell and and it connect with that society but we had in the, the the festival cph docs which is one of the biggest docs festival in the world copenhagen docs uh they had an amazing publicist press agent called lena bielenberg and she she was really fighting to get you into all the big media and you were in all the national news on tv all the national news on radio all the big newspapers uh, the right wing, the left wing, you know, everywhere. And so this story about Push and you criticizing Blackstone for their behavior in Denmark became a major story. That's right. She was amazing. Lena was amazing. I mean, she she created a press conference for me to release the Blackstone letters 
as they're now called, and Push had already premiered, and the activists had taken to the streets. And as you said, there were there was tons of media attention as a result. So you get this perfect alignment of things to make change. You've got a, an, an, in my opinion, an incredible film, and not because of the lead character. You've got decent advocacy, these Blackstone letters, you've got media attention, and most importantly, you've got a grassroots movement, homegrown, you know, in Denmark. So what happened? What change did we help to make, do you think? (laughs) A lot, but I mean, the festival had also been able to reach out to every letterbox to people living in in houses where Blackstone had purchased, you know, so... There was actually a lot of tenants coming to to all the screenings. Some people came to all five screenings we had. Amazing. And the premiere was amazing. But the second screening was at another theater called Grand Theater. Mm. And they had organized a panel where, for example, the mayor of Malmö was there, but also a lot of important Danish politicians, including the then housing minister. And the housing minister, after the film, he was like maybe almost the first man out to talk and he said ah you know this might happen in london this might happen in new york but this is copenhagen this is different here (laughs) and he he opened up he was like a really cool guy and then the audience remember the audience oh yeah they were standing up and (laughs) shouting they were so angry so it was like it's all it shocked almost everyone because it became so so intense yeah because he tried to that's i've seen that trick being played in many places they say ah yeah it's like there it's london but it's not here they they play the same trick in sweden also some some people but but in denmark this was like 3 weeks before the election yeah which meant this guy he is no longer the housing minister. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> he lost. He lost, and now the new the new government has implemented a new legislation through the parliament, and it's called informally Black Lex Blackstone. It's amazing. So, so actually, Leilani, your work uh, in combination with the film and some amazing activism around there, and some, of course, brave politicians. Uh, created a legislation that is now protecting uh, tenants. Of course, it could be sharper, it could be better, but there is there is something that is actually changing. Uh, another guy thing that happened at this premiere is actually we there was a lot of people in the room, and you don't really know exactly who is there. But mm-hmm. we're going to play a clip, a little oh, yeah. sound message from a friend called Martin Sundberg, who is the CEO of. Uh, White Architecture, which is like the, one of the biggest architect firms in Sweden. They're also big in other Nordic countries, and I think they're also in the UK, maybe also even in Canada. But they are like a very interesting group of people. So listen to, to Martin, the, the CEO of, uh, of White Architecture here in, in Malmo. So, uh, hi, guys. Uh, when I first saw the, the movie Push at the Copenhagen Documentary Film Festival, I was really starstruck by Lelani's passion for her mission for the UN. And that captured in a journalistic portrait by Frederick really, really moved me at that time. Uh, the city of Malmö signed up for the shift the day after that, and we were 
were invited to to talk about how architecture can deal with the issues of housing that Leilani's work is based on. And the signing ceremony was just very formal. And my feeling when the major said, Katrine said that these questions won't be solved in the city hall, but by all of you looking at the audience, my feeling was that maybe, maybe that's not just enough. Maybe nothing will happen. So we contacted Frederick to sort of uh, investigate how we as an architectural practice could join in. Um, I think there's a there might be a misunderstanding or self-inflected belief that architecture is all about design and, and visual impact. And I mean, it's true that a, a beautiful building is also a sustainable building that will be loved and cared for in the future. But the branch must understand that we also have a strong voice when it comes to influence our clients, politicians, decision makers and stakeholders, and that architects really strongest superpower is to have an overview in the project. And sometimes it means that we must take the perspective of those not present in the process, like young people or people with less assets. And I mean, they may not be invited or targeted in today's projects, but they are the ones who will live and work in our future cities. And we, we must really uh, make their voices heard. Um, so we have promoted push and the shift on different arenas for colleagues, politicians, clients and academia to emphasize the need for dialogue where we look from different perspectives and not just financial or time aspects. And um, I guess it's all very basic in all movements. You need someone who strongly believes that change is possible and will work tirelessly for that change to happen. And if you add a filmmaker to capture that passion and sort of present it, well, you have an impact on people like you did on me. You inspired me to do something. And I, I really thank you for that. Martin Sundberg-Dwight, architector here in Malmö, Sweden. Leilani. So interesting. I, I get asked all the time these days, what's my theory of change? And I find it such a hilarious question, like as if I'm sitting at my desk thinking, okay, I'm going to make change and I'm going to do A, B, C, D to make change. And it's like, I've got this theory and then I go and apply it. It's not quite like that. I love the way Martin summed it up. And I wouldn't have been able to articulate it necessarily. Um, but this idea of, you know, to make change, you need people who believe passionately that change can be made. And then you need those people to work tirelessly. And you need an amazing filmmaker who can capture that and bring that to audiences and people around the world to motivate other people to find that energy and work tirelessly for change. So I, I, I love what he said at the end there. I think it's, um, uh, it makes me feel better about my work too. <laughs> I think, okay, we're on to something here. It's also kind of cool that, a, that an architecture firm uh, spends time and money on inviting people to watch a documentary film. And they, they've been organizing many screenings and panels around the film, around the country. Um, and, and of course, that's important because then I, I would say here in Sweden, the film push has be, is, is part of the reference in, of the, in the debate about the, the housing situation. We haven't, I mean, Sweden is still behind Denmark and Germany when we talk about legislation. But, 
But people like Martin had pushed the film into the center of the debate. Actually, I was, uh, yeah, and the other day I was talking to something called Business Arena, which was like totally the real estate business own little two days um, conference with a lot of different panels. And I was the keynote uh, talking about push and, of, and everybody had seen the film. Uh, so it, in that sense, it's, it's interesting that they feel that they have to, to take this into consideration. And actually, I, I, it could, I could send a very nice message to them because like Martin, he was showing the film. But I, I got an email uh, this week from a, a Danish founder of the biggest real estate capital fund in the Nordic countries. And his name is uh, Rasmus Nörgaard. We, I don't know him. I've never met him. I don't know so much about his company and rep. But he he wanted to buy three hundred codes of uh, you know viewing codes of of push to send as a Christmas gift to all his employees, all the, the employees of that this that company in the Nordic countries. Uh, oh my God, I love that. What what's the firm and rep? But what do they do? They're like an asset manager. They, they are in all kind of real estate, from student housing to logistics to everything. Oh, I don't my know. God. And he bought three hundred yeah. viewings yeah. of push for his uh, employees as a uh, Christmas gift. I love. Then that. I had a little. Now there's I had an a idea. little talk with him yesterday, uh, just to find out because I, I was going to speak to the to his babe his branch, you know. Right. And. Um, he said, regulations are good for business. Mm -hmm. To protect tenants is good. And he also said mm -hmm. that, that the pension funds, who are now putting a lot of money into this uh, market, they mm -hmm. need to be sharper. Their asset managers need to be sharper to see the consequences of their investments. They can just not go for the growth. They also need to see what happens with people living in the houses. So this comes from a guy who is in this business, deeply in the business. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to talk to him. We should connect with him next year. Absolutely. I think we should invite him on to Pushback Talks. I would love to hear him say that publicly and get others who are in his industry uh, or his financial, the financial sector to think um, along his lines or at least op open their minds to his way of thinking. I think it's cool because this is not, uh, these are not, these are not socialists or communists talking, you know, this is like people in the business, but they, they see exactly. the effects when, when the business is too extreme, you know, this kind of yeah. uh, capitalism speed that the Blackstone model is kind of representing. That is too much. Even for people who love the market economy, they feel this is like too much. We, have, we need to be also to be responsible. And that's also, yeah. there's hope in also in that, isn't it? I think so, personally, yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because I get so many questions all the time about whether I'm trying to take down capitalism. And you know, Frederick, you've seen in the post-screening of Push, someone will always ask that question. What do you think about capitalism? Do you really think capitalism is a system that can work for tenants? And so when I hear people like Rasmus uh, saying, you know, we can be regulated and we can have limits to what we do. It makes me feel better because I, 
I think we haven't given a fair chance. I don't think we've tried to make capitalism responsive to human rights. I think we need to try to make it responsive to human rights. And then if that fails, then maybe we should start looking elsewhere. But anyway, Rasmus seems to uh, yeah, support I, my A position. lot of people would call you naive. And I'm, yes, and I that's know. that's what we get all the time. And and I've, I've met a lot of people from the left kind of criticizing the film and I tell them okay so do you think the film would be better if we ended with red flags <laughs> marching yeah, people exactly. so then we can add some red flags for you or do you I mean come on ridiculous no we I mean the film is all about <laughs> pointing out this is a problem this is something we need to talk about something we need to understand solutions yes let's talk about solutions and then one can say down with the capitalism but anyway mm. that's fine it's it's freedom of speech. Leilani, we went to Toronto. That's kind of very close to your town. Uh, we opened up yeah. the Bloor, the amazing Bloor Cinema, and your your mom was there, your your sister was there, sister, and your kids yeah. and husband. Everybody was there, and all my friends and your friends yeah. and and. Your face was in the front of the Now magazine, which is like the magazine <laughs> that you read in all the bars in Toronto. And there's many bars in Toronto. Uh, so it's suddenly, and, and, the, and the headline on the magazine was, Housing is a Human Right. On this kind of mm. magazine, you read to see what's going on to, in this week in, in, in this town. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it. The film kind of took also Canada with a storm. It did. It did. I just have to make a comment about the screening of Push in Toronto. It was so emotional for me. I don't know if I ever told you, Frederick, but just before the film screened, I went down to the loo in this restaurant and I took Julieta with me and I was crying my eyes out, as you know I like to do. And I said to her, okay, I'm not going to the screening and send everyone away. I don't want anyone to see the film. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she did what Julieta does best. She talked me through it. And she said, uh, well, you're not going home and you are going to go see the film. And so is everyone else. <laughs> so let's go. Uh, Toronto was a really interesting, um, also, we might say the perfect storm. Um, because Now Magazine, and again, I mean, WG, you guys hired some really great people to push the film and not just the film, but the ideas in the film, which is so cool. So it's not just promo for the film, but promotion for the idea that housing is a human right and that we should be talking about it. Get, get PR was the, our company we yeah, worked with. Amazing. Get they were amazing. amazing. And yeah. um, so we were, you and mm. I were all over various media and... Uh, um, that was pretty relentless, if I recall. Uh, but then at the same time, I had hooked up with an organization that I used to work for called CIRA, the Center for Equality Rights in Accommodation, a big long name. In fact, Bruce Porter, who's also in PUSH, uh, was the founder of CIRA and the original executive director, and I took over after him. Um, but in any event, CIRA organized a whole bunch of community meetings for me, as well as meetings with city council. And as a result of all those things, Push, Now Magazine, other media, 
um, and the local activism, because, of course, Toronto is under siege in terms of financialization. Um, Airbnb is huge in Toronto. Uh, rooming houses that you see in the film are being converted um, the Frosty the Snowman uh, fellow um, being converted into, you know, swankier, more luxury places, etc. So and people are sleeping in the streets. Yeah, remember? I mean, every I mean, numbers, every doorway, numbers, numbers, yeah, every doorway, horrible. So when I went to City Council, I mean, it's not again, it's not just me. It's this confluence of things. Um, the city started to take very seriously the right to housing. And since the film opened there, the city has adopted a 10-year housing strategy that incorporates human rights really at its foundation. Um, They are in the midst right now of um, appointing what they're going to call a commissioner on housing, but that commissioner's role will be to ensure that the city is doing what it should be doing in terms of its human rights obligations in the area of housing. So really some huge strides. It's not to say that everything's perfect in Toronto. There's a lot of stuff going on right now with homeless people and encampments. I, I see a lot of, I, some, I follow a lot of uh, people on Twitter, and I see there's a lot of yeah. ongoing battles in the city of Toronto, yeah. and as in many other lot, cities around the world. But, but, yeah. but with also the cool thing is that many of them are now using your language, and housing is a human right. That's right. And really incorporating it into their activism, which is super cool. And they have another huge threat, um, which is uh, older buildings are being purchased a lot right now in the midst of this pandemic by real estate investment trusts, these REITs that push up the rents and drive people out. And evictions are going crazy in the city of Toronto as well as elsewhere in Canada, but certainly Toronto. So, but... I think people are really harnessing the film, the language in the film, my language, the human rights language to really push government officials to do more. So it's it's very it's cool. It's cool. So there is hope. Yeah. There is hope. And and I we have so. hope in London, our friend Hope. We always have hope yeah. in London. Uh, so <laughs> 25 episodes of Pushback Talks. That's something we didn't really plan for. The, the pandemic forced us into... To this, uh, I can see you on Zoom a lot, or we talk on WhatsApp. So we keep we keep the contact quite tight. I mean, we are quite busy in in just trying to understand mm-hmm. what's going on around the planet. Um, so, do you think we should open up a new season of pushback talks? Definitely. Yeah. There's still so much to talk about. And let's face it, we're not getting that vaccine for some time. I mean, the so. year of the needle, the 2021, the year of the needle. Let's get the That's needle. Right. Let's get the vaccine. I want to be early. I don't know if... I yeah. know me I know me too, but I'm not in the first... And yeah, and then they, you, will, you will get... There will, the airlines will have a special app where you put in this kind of... You know, you, I've got the vaccine... And then ah, you right. we, so then you can travel. Yeah, freely. because it's kind of yeah. hard to do our job without traveling, even if we are trying. It is. Hard. I mean, for me, it's. I would say it's almost impossible, and it's dangerous for to have a small film company when you can't film. So we yeah. are desperate to get moving with new projects, um, yeah. which lands in this kind of um, the financial <laughs> issues. 
Um, yes. So friends out there, um, to be a patron is to be a friend. And if you, as we, have mighty enemies, you, we need many friends. And you can be that by going th to patreon.com and go for pushback talks. And some people, they say, yeah, I want to support with $50 a month. Some say 10 some say, say 5 or $2. Doesn't matter. You just join us. And if you are in another situation where you are in part of a company or an NGO or something that you want to donate a bigger sum, you can go to pushbacktalks, uh, to pushthefilm.com and there is now a little button you can click and then you can donate uh, also money so we can keep doing this. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that. That's I didn't I didn't even know that. That's good. I'll and if it. you're if you're in Sweden you can also go in and you can find you can swish. That's like the Swedish quick transfer of, of money. Swish oh, sound yeah. of woof swish. money going away. So that's something you can do. Um because then we will uh, be able to keep doing this. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we're partly doing this because we are a little bit, uh, everything has slowed down so much, so we we have to do something. But it's, I mean, the company is suffering. Uh, so it's also dangerous to to keep doing this mm -hmm. for a long time. So we need to find a way to to pay for, for, the, for the stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. And... For those listening in the month of December, it's a gift-giving season, isn't it? And Frederick and I, let's face it, we love gifts. Yes. So give us yes. gifts. Yes. If for no other reason, then we love gifts. You'll make us super happy. Which means that if you don't want to send money, if you think money is ugly, you can also send bottles of wine or, you know. <laughs> Leilani is for Sauvignon Blanc. That is not where no, I was okay. going. I think we need, we need no, no. hard, cold cash. Oh, yes, but I mean, if you only, I mean, imagine if you're like, you have a wine cellar that is amazing. And you think, oh, I have too many of these uh, uh, 82, uh, you know, then you can send a few bottles and we will try. So so for those of you who care, I drink white, <laughs> Sauvignon Blanc particularly. <laughs> this wasn't... My favorite right now, New Zealand, it's called Left uh -huh. Field. Okay. Isn't, that, isn't that perfect? It's called Left Field and I'm always in Left Field. Yeah, let's face okay. It. <laughs> I didn't really plan for this wine pledge, but you can in some way understand what's in my mind. It's like it would be nice to wind down <laughs> okay that was so bad yeah, I, know. I know but what can we do with wind, wind. i'm gonna use yeah. that now yeah. i'm gonna use it but first we have to work a few weeks more and and for people who are new to the podcast shop around there's a lot of interesting stories out there and information and knowledge and with knowledge, that's our belief that we we fight back better if we if we also know the monster. We understand the monster a bit better. And the monster is not only Blackstone. It's it's a whole system which is kind of in some way organized so there is no real people behind it. It's like a machine that is has its own way of functioning, but it's but it's it's destroying our cities it's destroying lives and it's also destroying the planet because it, this is the s same machine the same monster that is is making the climate go crazy and and uh, and we are consuming too much of 
of our planet. But the same monsters also now have an extreme effect on the poor people. And I mean, in the, in the, the divide, the gap is bigger and bigger. And uh, I mean, we're talking about income inequality, but the, but the gap, I mean, this is a story we talked a lot about since the 2008 crisis, the gap became bigger, but now after the pandemic, the, the gap will be even bigger on this planet. Yeah. I was I was talking to a friend in New York yesterday, and um, he's an urbanist, uh, academic, and former architect, and uh, very sensitive to cities. That's his life. And he said, well, he lives in, uh, in uh, Manhattan, and he said, you know, walking the streets right now is is all he sees is this growing inequality. That's what that's all he can see before him. It's he says it's devastating. Um, so and, and you know I'm sure that's right around the world, not just in New York. And I think this is the message also coming from the people we mentioned here, uh, Rasmus, uh, the the investor, and Martin, the architect. That is that to, to live in an, in an unjust society is not good for anyone. Even if you're good off, you don't really want to have people, starving people, you know, watching you when you're eating. You want everybody to be able to eat and, and sleep in a real bed. Yeah. One of the things I've been thinking about recently is I think for some people, the monster, particularly when it's big finance seems very remote from people like how well how will I challenge the monster but what isn't remote to people are governments and I'm finding governments are defending the monster constantly even now when there's heightened awareness thanks to push and the work of many advocates around the world there's still a defensiveness around the monster by governments and people have access to governments. We all have access, whether it's our city councilor or whether it's at national level government, we, we, we are constituents. And so that's what I really want people to start doing is, is forcing governments not to defend the monster and asking governments to think through whether defending the monster is good for their constituents and their cities and their yeah. country. And also demanding that pension funds invest in a way that is not destroying the Same. planet and not destroying the lives of, of, of citizens. I think there is, yeah. I mean, and, and I think this is all something we can actually act on and we can have success in it. I mean, I, I mentioned here before that one of the biggest banks in Sweden, Swedbank, actually divested from Blackstone. They had a lot of Blackstone shares. That's amazing. So, and th this That's is because amazing. of the the debate that Push has created. So, and I think right. this is the the ethical, the ethics of the finance industry is like mm -hmm. a new battlefield that we also should all get more engaged in. Definitely, that's twenty twenty one for the shift. We will be engaging in a campaign around pension funds and their investments. With respect to cool, real estate. that's good news. Coming, that's soon. good news. Mm -hmm. So, Leilani, I asked you about your dream for the future, but what is your now? You, it's Christmas coming up, New Year's. I, I love Christmas. I'm not religious, so I'm not. I don't love Christmas in that way, but I love. Um, well, I love lights, like colorful lights. I. You know, the history of colorful lights comes from Victorian England, where everything was so dark and drab. And so they put up lights to make people feel happier. And it works for me. And Canada's a dark country at this time of year. And Ottawa, where I live, is cold and dark. So, And I love fires. 
And I love watching really bad movies. I admit it. Really bad movies at Christmas time. So you, you will not watch really bad movies. Uh, Push? No. <laughs> I, I, no, I said really I got bad nervous. Moves. I got nervous. Anyway, so th- for me, it's all cozy, cozy time for the next couple of weeks. Anyway, I mean, I, I live by Market Square, and and there is a lot of lights in the trees. In 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 the in that's a big Christmas nice. tree, and uh, it's fucking dark. But anyway, <laughs> it's <laughs> but the lights uh, help, don't they? Yes, but I. <laughs> Yeah, but I well I yeah. see my friends in on, on you know on the southern hemisphere putting up pictures right now. Oh, it's like makes me. Uh, I know it's, it's painful. painful. And I made it. I, I was actually doing a, a panel with Valparaiso, Chile, the other day. Oh, and, nice! And to an, one of the most beautiful places in the world. If our listeners yeah, haven't been there, and to this amazing, the amazing theater, Teatro Condel, where I've been several times with my films. And they're now playing mm-hmm. Push again. It was up there for like 10 days uh, playing when the pandemic hit right. and everything got closed. But they promised to put it up again. Uh, after the after, pandemic? After the pandemic. But it now had it. Okay, I'll meet you there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's also a little shout out to our friends in Chile, to Alexandra Galvis, who is our distributor in Chile. Yes. And to the people at Teatro Condel and other, other friends, the bicycle activist of Santiago who really... They organized their own screening of Push, and and with two friends in many many countries around the world, we are happy that to call you our friends, Leilani. Frederick, enjoy your holidays, uh, also the Christmas, and don't buy too many gifts because it's stupid and no. consumerism. But buy some nice wine because that's good for your mental health. <laughs> mm-hmm. My your soul. soul. Yeah. You too. Yeah. You too. And um, stay well. And and let's decide when we start up next year. I have no idea. Normally our plans are made like two days ahead, so we will see. <laughs> but uh, just wait for us. We will we will we will be back. 2021, we the are. year of the needle. And support us, support us. Ciao Leilani. Bye Frederick. Take care. Bye. Pushback Talks is produced by WG Film. To watch Push, visit pushthefilm.com. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash pushbacktalks. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>